morning. Got all those people outside. It's uh, great to be able to have people outside. Uh, so I think yesterday was, was uh, exactly one year ago since lockdown began, hey? Can you believe it? I actually looked in my diary, and I'd written too much in my diary, and I had to go find an old diary to see what I was writing a year ago. Uh, but um, praise God, we're still here. We've got an exciting morning still ahead of us. If you've got your Bibles, you can open up to the book of Galatians, but we're going to be looking at the entire book of Galatians in one message. Uh, we will have, hopefully, I, I did really stress the multimedia team. I'm getting thumbs up. Uh, I sent them the latest version of my slides at about five to nine. So uh, hopefully we'll have the scriptures up. But uh, I'll tell you where we're going to land, uh, where, where we're going to start off with in just a moment. But I love that song that uh, Keegan and the band chose today about the, the better word that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection speaks over our lives. And today we're going to not only be baptizing people into Jesus Christ as they declare their faith in Jesus Christ publicly, but we're also going to be closing our meeting with breaking bread. And I love that song because the title of my message today is that the gospel speaks the gospel speaks. And that song said, and I didn't choose that song, the, the, that, that song said that the gospel speaks a better word. And uh, I want us to, to, to take one book of the Bible, this book of Galatians that we've been in, and to simply think about how do certain passages in that, uh, in, in that book, how do they remind us about how the gospel speaks to our lives. You know, I don't want anyone to just know a lot about Galatians or know a lot about their Bibles. I want people who leave the room on a Sunday listening to the Holy Spirit, knowing how does the gospel speak to my life later on today? How does it speak to my life tomorrow uh, based on anything and everything that happens to us? And so I want to say if you're a visitor with us today, maybe you even uh, came because you uh, are somehow attached to one of the seven people being baptized. Uh, we just want to say it's so great to have you here and great to have all the people who are being baptized here. Uh, this is going to be an exciting morning for them. But if you are new to, to church, we've uh, been on a 10-week journey through the book of Galatians in the Bible. It's not a long book, and I feel like we could have preached much longer. But through that journey, we've been looking at how the Apostle Paul has been reminding these believers in Jesus of their foundations. So our series was called Gospel Foundations, because these are really truths to build your life on. And if you don't yet know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I pray that today you would hear something of the goodness and the glory of Jesus, and you would put your faith in Jesus today or one day soon. And um, I want to start today by just simply speaking about this idea that the gospel is a reference point for us. There is a big idea in Galatians, and it's, it's that Paul keeps calling these believers back to the gospel. Uh, I preached a message right at the start of the series about how our lives are prone to go off course. We, we go off course very easily. Do you know what that feels like? Have you ever been lost? I know that uh, men never get lost. 
You know, if a man gets lost, have you ever noticed he turns down the, the radio? Because he can't do two things at once. He can't be lost and listen at the same time. When, when God uh, made us, he didn't give us enough RAM for that. Uh, but in our lives, it's possible to get lost. We've all had the experience, no doubt, of losing our way, maybe physically or uh, just emotionally. Uh, sometimes you wake up and, and you just feel like you're in a funk or a fuzz, and, uh, and, and you need to remember who you are and whose you are and which way is up and which way is down. And that can happen to us. It's possible for us as believers to lose our direction, to lose our confidence, to get discouraged. We have an enemy. We, 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 we get knocked about by life. And so sometimes it's really important, I would say actually all times, it's really important to have an anchor, to have a reference point. Uh, you know, on your, on your phone, you've got a, a pin, someone can drop a pin for you, and if you're trying to find that place, knowing where that pin is, even though the map keeps swiveling, if you've got a pin, I'll be able to get there. If uh, I grew up in Cape Town, if you're driving around Cape Town, there's a massive reference point called Table Mountain. And uh, you can be lost in the burbs somewhere and you can look up and, okay, there's the mountain. That means that the city's kind of over there. Uh, that means Rondebosch is kind of over there. Uh, I know we're still in Bosches because I can see the mountain. Here in Durban, if you can see the sea, that helps you to understand kind of where you're going. Well, in life, there is no anchor point, there is no reference point like the gospel. As you go through life, you will be knocked sideways by circumstances, but there is a reference point, there is an anchor that is beyond all others, and it's the good news about Jesus Christ and understanding what that means for our lives. There is nothing else that can anchor us Nothing else that can shape our thinking other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Understanding who Jesus is and what He has done for us. There'll be times in your life where you literally feel like you've been knocked upside down and the only thing that is powerful enough to hold you in the storm is the knowledge of who Jesus is and what He's done for you and importantly, what that means for your life. And that's what I want to focus on today. It's a really good life practice that when life is spinning you around and knocked you sideways, to ask this question, how does the gospel speak to this situation? What does the gospel, what is who Jesus is and what Jesus did? What does the implication of who Jesus is and what he did for me, how does that speak into this situation? If you make the gospel the reference point for your life, your life will be directed through all and many different circumstances. I remember moving here 18 plus years ago, years ago and uh, when we moved up here, we needed to buy a house or rent a house. We decided to buy a house and I'd sold my shares in my business in, in Cape Town in order to buy that house. And so having sold the shares, signed the agreements, we bought the house that we now live in and moved here, uh, trusting that the guy would pay. And, and he, we bought the house, and he didn't pay. And I had Absa on the phone. And it was a crisis. And you know what? He didn't pay for one month. He didn't pay for two months. He didn't pay for three months. He didn't, he didn't pay for nine months. I had a crisis. I agree. Hey, I f I'm glad you feel my pain. 
And so I prayed a lot for this guy who will remain nameless, and I wish my prayers were better, but I wasn't praying blessing on this guy. Have you ever prayed prayers like that? Rob has, <laughs> even this week. <laughs> I was praying and praying fervently for, for, not for the full nine months, because change came in about eight, or off, after about eight months, but I was praying and praying, and then one day while I was praying, I felt God tap me on the shoulder. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt the Holy Spirit kind of go, woohoo? And I'm ashamed to say it took me eight months to hear the woohoo of the Holy Spirit, but I suddenly felt the Holy Spirit say something like this. What does the gospel say to this situation? What does me dying on the cross for your sins say about this? Well, the gospel reminded me, the gospel spoke in that moment and reminded me that I was bad. I was a big-time bad guy. I was a sinner. I was hopeless. And I had been forgiven everything by God through my faith in Jesus Christ. I wasn't a good person. I was a sinner. But God had forgiven me. And instantly, I had my reference point. Bang! I had my pen on the map. If I had been forgiven everything, if I had received the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of God, the gospel required that I forgive this person, release him from my thoughts, and pray for his blessing. And so I did. And within, I think it was two weeks of that moment, where it felt like everything changed. Another buyer for the shares in our business appeared, paid the money, and Absa went away. Hallelujah. Why do I tell you that story? I, I'm going to go through Galatians and just choose a few verses in Galatians, and each one of them I'm going to hopefully show you and I how the gospel speaks into all situations of life. The gospel is our reference point and our anchor. Brothers and sisters, in this church, we like to call ourselves a gospel-centered church. It's, it's, it's to say we have the gospel, we have Jesus as our anchor. He's our focus. He's our reference point. We want to be a gospel-centered people. Amen. Thank you. Nokwazi. And so I want to urge you to make this practice your life practice, to ask two questions in any situation. Next slide, please to firstly ask, how does the gospel speak in this situation? And secondly, having heard what the gospel says to this situation, to then ask, what should I do, Lord? And, and suddenly, life will be clear to you. It won't be easy <laughs> uh, forgiving someone or, or, or uh, working out the gospel isn't easy, but it will be clear. And I want to urge you to live life doing this. So when I say that the gospel speaks, it's not just what Jesus did for us. It's not just who Jesus is. That's enough to feast on forever and ever. But it's the implications of what Jesus did for us. And we're going to see that in the book of Galatians. As Paul writes this, uh, this letter that we're just going to go through very quickly today and just land in a few places, Paul is reminding them continually of who Jesus is, what He's done, and what the implication is for their lives. And we're going to see how does that maybe speak to your life and my life. 
So we're going to start just in Galatians 1, verses 3 and 4. And as we just land here, we're just going to look at a few things. This says to us, Galatians chapter 1 starts like this. It says, grace to you, verse 3, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. What does this say to us? Well, the phrase grace to you and Jesus gave himself for you speaks to me and it speaks to you that, that everything we've received is by the grace of God. There's nothing that I can say that I earned this, I achieved this, I deserve this. It's just the wrong atmosphere entirely for the believer. Everything in life is grace and everything has been given to me. If I want to get what I deserved, I get hell. But I haven't received hell. I've received life in Jesus Christ. I've received forgiveness, and all of that is grace. Now, I know some people, are, are, we're wired in different ways, but one of the ways I'm wired is to try hard, to work hard and try hard. Is there anyone else like that? Just put up your hand. You know what I mean? Okay, I see some hands, okay? There are some people, and we want to know that we've done it. We've worked hard at it. And so I'm wired for striving, for trying in my own efforts, for working hard, for overworking even. But this verse and the gospel in this verse says, the life that you have, everything you have in me, the spiritual life you have is by grace and it came because Jesus gave himself. You, you didn't earn it, because if, if he gave himself, it's a gift. And, and, and when you get to the end of the, the month and you've worked hard, they don't, say, they don't wrap your paycheck up in a ribbon, hopefully, and say, here's a present for you. No, I worked for that. That's not a gift. Jesus gave himself for you and me. Brothers and sisters, if you wired to work hard and to strive and to, to try, 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 and try again, the gospel shouts, the gospel speaks that we're a people that have received grace. We're as people that have received peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us. You can double click on that a bit longer. The, the idea that Jesus gave himself for you means that you really matter to him. You are really, really important to him if he was willing to give his whole life for you. And so maybe you're sitting there and, and you're prone to think, ah, I'm such a rubbish. You don't have to put your hand up for this one. I'm such a loser. There we go. We've got one hand. I'm, I'm just so full of rubbish. I mess up all the time. I'm worth nothing. No one sees me. I'm not valuable. Have you ever thought those things? You know, your enemy's name is the accuser and the deceiver. And for some of you, this is like a runway into your heart, words like this. But then the gospel speaks, and Jesus says, I gave myself for you. You were valuable enough for me to give myself for you. And if you're a little bit spiritually proud, and you say, yes, I was so important, Jesus gave himself for me. Then the gospel also speaks to you because it also says, and your sin was enough that if you were the only person he would have had to die for you. That's how bad your sin was. Friends, whoever you are, whatever life situation you're in, the fact that Jesus gave himself to deliver you from sin 
and to deliver you from this present evil age speaks into your life and into my life. Just look at more in verse, verse 3. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. Have you ever felt like you're lonely? Have you ever felt uh, fatherlessness is a crisis in our country? 70% of African children in, in South Africa grew up without a father at home. 70%. It's a crisis. And it's a crisis that goes right into the depths of our being and, and, and hits us at the state of belonging and feeling like we don't belong and we're not seen and we're not valuable. And the gospel, this verse shouts, God our Father, God your Father. Say, God my Father. If you've put your faith in Jesus, you've become the child of the Most High God. We're going to come back to this. You do belong. The devil's saying, oh, you don't fit in anywhere. You're lonely. You're isolated. You don't belong. God my Father, through faith in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Friends, whatever you're feeling right now, the gospel speaks. We've just looked at one verse so far. Don't you love that it, it, it also says, the Lord Jesus Christ. How does the gospel speak to me? Well, our, our age is infected by selfishness, self-centered living. We, we, we think freedom means living and doing whatever I want to. But this phrase or way of describing Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to just double click on that word Lord. Lord means master. If you've put your faith in Jesus, you are gloriously free. You're the child of God and you're not your own anymore. You have a master. He's, he's a loving master. He's the most amazing King of kings and Lord of lords, but He is your master. And so His ways and His uh, will for your life should shape your life. You know, I once heard it, it said, a uh, pastor, when I was growing up, he said, you can't say no, Lord. It, those two words don't fit in a sentence. The, the, the right answer is, yes, Lord. I, I want to ask you, you may be in a situation right now where Maybe you know that the Bible says this, but you feel like you want to do this. The gospel says you have a Lord, and He taught you to pray, His kingdom come, and His will be done in your life and in my life. Amen. Let's move on. Let's look at Galatians 2 verse 16. We're just looking at how can the gospel speak to our lives. And I'm just taking one book of the Bible and just choosing a few verses and applying it to your life. But I want you to do this for the rest of your life for yourself. Galatians 2.16, uh, the first part of it says this. We know <coughs> that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Friends, this tells us that no one can ever live a good enough life. Some people, maybe you came to church today and maybe you thought Christianity, maybe you thought uh, being at church is all about rules and, and being good. I want to say to you that this verse alone tells us that the gospel says no one is good enough. No one can be justified by obeying the rules. No one can be justified in that way. No one can work their way into acceptance by God. That's religion. Religion says if you obey, if you perform perfectly, you'll be accepted. But that's not what this verse says. This verse says 
that the only way to be justified, to be declared righteous by God, is by faith in Jesus Christ. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and His righteousness. The only way to have God accept you is to put your faith in Jesus Christ. And I love the fact that, thanks Warren, I love the fact that as these people get baptized today, what they are declaring is that I have put my faith in Jesus. I'm not trusting in my own efforts. I'm not trusting in my own righteousness. I have believed in Jesus. As people get baptized today, if we were to interview each one and ask them, I'm sure every one of them would say that there are some things that they're still needing to work on in their lives. Am I right? But the reason they're getting baptized today is to declare, I have put my faith in Jesus. And I love the fact that those who put their faith in Jesus get justified. It is finished. It is done. Without taking away from any sermon that might happen this weekend, it is finished, past tense. When you put your faith in Jesus, you are forgiven. You are justified. You are declared righteous. It is done. It is finished. So what does this look like in your life and in my life? Our enemy, the deceiver, the accuser, he loves to kick us when we're down, doesn't he? Maybe you've done something wrong or you haven't done something you should have done, and then the devil comes in and he discourages you and he unsettles you. And in this moment, what you need to do is you need to remember your reference points of the gospel and you need to know that if I have believed in Jesus, I am saved. Even if I don't feel like it today, I am saved because I've put my faith in Jesus Christ. Past tense, it is finished, it is done. God has declared it throughout all time, forever. It is done, it is finished. I am saved by grace through faith in Jesus. And if you haven't yet believed in Jesus today, the gospel speaks to you and says, the only way to have God accept you forever and ever and ever is to put your faith in Jesus. And because we who have believed in Jesus, because we've believed in Jesus, the Bible tells us we get accepted by God, we are forgiven by God, and having believed in Jesus, we get given even more than that. We get given new life in Jesus. Let's look at Galatians 2.20 and 21. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When you put your faith in Jesus, the life that you live after that point is not your life. It's the life of Jesus pulsating through your life and my life. And, and this verse and the gospel tells us that when we, get, when we put our faith in Jesus, we die to our old way of living. That's the symbol of baptism. We're going to put people into the water that's like a symbol of dying to their old way of living, but then we will rise them up after five minutes. We will rise them up, and the symbol is to new life in Jesus Christ. What does that say to us and to our lives? Some of us, we put our faith in Jesus. Let's say we, we're going this way with Jesus, and then we kind of look back to our old life and our old patterns and our old way of speaking and thinking and acting, and, and we feel tempted to try and hold on to Jesus and, and still go back to this life. 
this old life. But the gospel says, no, no, no. When you believed in Jesus, you were crucified. You died to that old way of living, that old way of thinking, that old way of speaking, that old way of doing life. And you were raised to new life in Jesus Christ. And so if you are feeling torn between sin and compromise and following Jesus, the gospel speaks to you and says, no, that is not your life anymore. Paul says in Romans 6, you've died to that old way of living. You're no longer a slave of sin. You're a slave of righteousness. You are joined to Jesus Christ forever. Amen. I want to say to you, if you feel lethargic, you feel like your spiritual life has a pot belly, you feel like you're slow and lethargic, or maybe you just feel like life is hard for you at this, at this time, friends, the gospel speaks to you and I that the life we live is the life of Jesus in us. It's the life that raised Jesus from the dead. That's the life that is in you and me. And maybe tomorrow morning, as you feel like Monday hits you in the face as the alarm goes off at five o'clock, you need to remind yourself that I have the life of Jesus inside of me. Come Holy Spirit, come and fill me with that resurrection life. Maybe your body is sick today. Maybe you need to be prayed for. and We need to pray resurrection life into this body of yours. The life we live, we live by faith in the Son of God. Amen. From this verse again, anyone feel unloved? You don't have to put up your hand. This gospel in this verse again shouts, Jesus loved me and gave himself up for me. That means I'm special in his eyes. Galatians 3.11 says that the righteous shall live by faith. This is such a hard one for us, especially for, we won't ask any hands up again. Anyone who's a control freak? Anyone like to be in control? You like to know what's going to happen next? You know, I want to know the five-step plan. I've got to make sure that I've got all the ducks in a row. Got everything with me? Well, the Bible says the righteous live by faith. The righteous live by faith. And so when you can't see, when you can't understand, brothers and sisters, we're not only justified by faith, but we live by faith. In fact, faith is what really pleases God, Hebrews says. Faith is trusting in, it's believing in God. It's the life of the believer in Jesus Christ. That's what the gospel tells us. And so when you can't see, when you can't understand, let the gospel speak to you. Let the gospel be your reference point and remind you that the righteous live by faith in Jesus Christ. And so that's what God wants from me. That's the work Jesus said in John that he requires from us, that we put our faith in him. Having faith in Jesus means all our hope is leaning on Jesus. I was going to lean on a pillar, but it's covered by something. What can I lean on? Okay, I'll just pretend there's a pillar here, okay? If I lean on the pillar, then I'm not leaning on my legs. Do you get the idea? If you're leaning totally on Jesus, it means you're not standing on your own feet. Brothers, this is the posture of the believer is to lean wholly on Jesus, to not trust your own understanding. Proverbs says, uh, Proverbs 3.5 says, lean not on your own understanding, but put your trust in Him. I want to encourage you, put all your trust in Jesus Christ. Are you tempted right now 
to, to try and add other things to Jesus because you, you, you don't feel like you can just lean on Jesus. The gospel says lean only on Jesus. The righteous shall live by faith. If you're trying to lean on Jesus plus something else, it means you're not leaning on Jesus at all. So don't put your faith in anything else. Everything else will disappoint you at some stage. Everything else will let you down. Everything else will cause you to lose your lean on Jesus. But true believers in Jesus lean on Jesus. They live by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And when we live like that, something remarkable happens. Galatians 3, 26 and Galatians 4, verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, you're all sons of God through faith. And because you're sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Friends, those who trust in Jesus become the children of God. That's what the gospel says to you. You're not like a child, you are the child of God. And the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts, all of those who believed in Jesus, and the Holy Spirit cries out from within us, Daddy, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit helps us to know that we know that we know that we are loved, that we are His, that we're accepted. It's not just knowing it in our heads, but actually feeling it in our hearts. If you're a parent today, how would you feel if your child didn't feel like you really, really loved them? Or if, or if you'd adopted a child, how would, how would you feel if that adopted child wasn't convinced that you really wanted them to be your child? I think you are really motivated as a parent, especially if you've adopted a child, to want to Bring that child into a place where they know that they know that they know that they are loved by you and that they are your son or your daughter. And I just think of God the Father, and I think of how He wants you and I to know deep inside of our hearts, to feel it in our bones, to hear it in our spirit, to be filled again and again with the Holy Spirit so that we not just know, but we feel and we are convinced of that we are the children of the Most High God. I want to ask you today, do you struggle to feel the love of God, maybe? Do you know this love? Do you not just know it, but do you feel it? Do you know from the depths of your heart that you are the apple of His eye, that you are His precious one, His treasured possession? Because you are. That's what the gospel speaks. It's the implication of the gospel in your life and in my life. Everyone who's being baptized today, they've put their faith in Jesus. But because they put their faith in Jesus, they get given the privilege, the right of becoming the children of the Most High God. If you've put your faith in Jesus, you need to dwell on that fact. You need to come to Him as Father. Jesus taught us to pray, our Father who is in heaven. It's not an image, it's not a metaphor, it is who God is and who you are in relation to Him. Friends, the Bible tells us that we're not slaves anymore, but we are God's beloved children. And the future for us, Galatians 4, 7, is very, very bright. We, are, we have a glorious freedom that Jesus has bought for us, and so we must never go back into our old slavery again. That's Galatians 5, verse 1. 
For freedom Christ set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Friend, I want to ask you, are you battling in some area to be free? Are you battling in some area to be godly and Christ-like? Have you maybe messed up in some way? Do you feel ensnared by sin? Do you feel in bondage in some way? Do you feel like there's no hope for you to get out? Well, the gospel says you are free. You're not just free, you are free indeed. The gospel shouts that you're free. The jail has been opened. The, The doors are wide open. You just need to walk out. And don't go back to your old life again. Don't go back to your old bondage. It's terrible as a pastor to sometimes see someone who is enslaved in sin, but they don't have to be because Jesus has set them free. I want to ask you, do you feel enslaved by anything? Your inheritance is freedom. That's what the gospel speaks. You don't have to achieve it. Jesus did it on the cross for you. You have to live in the good of it. I want to encourage you to let the gospel speak if you feel like that. Galatians 5 verse 6 and 13 and 14 says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. And then verse 13 and 14 says, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. What I love here is that our world thinks freedom is a freedom to do whatever you like. But this passage and the gospel redefines freedom as something totally different. When we get free, we set free from the stuff that we've done, but we get set free to do something. We get set free not just to do whatever we like, but to serve our Lord and Master, to work out our faith through love. And so we're to use our freedom to love and serve one another, to love our neighbor just as we have been loved. The gospel speaks to us that we're to live changed lives. We're to live lives that are full of love. Godliness means becoming more and more like Jesus, means becoming more loving towards not only God, but also to others. The freedom that God brings us into is not just that we can lie on a beach and catch a suntan, but the freedom that God brings us into is so that we can serve and love other people with the love that we ourselves have received. You know, when I went to UCT, all the courses in year one were were psychology 101, you know, statistics 101. Everything was 101. It, It reminded you you were in year one the whole time, okay? And then if you made it to year two, it was 201 and three, 301. You get the idea? Well, working out your faith by loving God and people, which is Galatians 5, 6, and 13, and 14, is Christianity 101, 501, 901, 101, you you just don't get beyond this. This is what the Christian life is. How does the gospel speak to you and I as we walk out today? The gospel says, love God and love people. If we're ever out of whack with that, then we need to go back and say, sorry, Lord, and let the gospel speak to us again. 
And as he's sitting there, and if you know me, you know, sure, how are you going to do that, Gareth? How am I going to do that? Well, the only hope is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Because we can't do this on our own. And Galatians 5, 16 to 24 or 5, basically gives us these four amazing encouragements. The gospel reminds me to walk by the Spirit, to not walk in my own strength, to be led by the Spirit, to not, to not choose my own direction. The gospel teaches me to live by the Spirit. Oh yes, I've, I have the life of Jesus in me and I've been plugged into the power of the Holy Spirit. The life that, that God wants me to live, it, it, it's lived by the Spirit and the way to remember how to go is to keep in step with the Spirit. We, we heard about the marching orders, and we need to hear the marcher, uh, the call of the, uh, of the one who's walking alongside of us so that we can keep in step with the Spirit. Friends, as we live in step with the Spirit, as we live reliant on the Holy Spirit, we will bear the fruit of the Spirit that is in that passage. And we will begin to live the life that God has always intended for us to live. A life that pleases God, that glorifies God, and blesses people. Friends, I would say to you, don't try and live the Christian life under your own steam. Don't try and live the Christian life in your own effort. When last did you pray, Holy Spirit, fill me afresh. Holy Spirit, come upon me afresh. Holy Spirit, empower me, enable me, live through me, help me to hear you. I want to encourage you, that's the way to live the Christian life. God has given us the Holy Spirit, our helper. God did not design you and I to live under our own strength, but to continually cry out, Holy Spirit, help me to do these things. The same grace that we needed for saving is the same grace we need to live the life that God intends for us by the Spirit. And lastly, from Galatians there's some very practical points at the end. I, I could have preached a whole message on this. But Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. Imagine that someone gets caught in a sin. They get caught up in sin in some way in a church. What does the gospel speak? What does the gospel speak to us as believers as a church in a situation like that? It says this, brothers... If anyone is caught in any transgression, that, that word caught there isn't, aha, I caught you, solo, I saw you. It's not that word. It's rather that you've been caught up. You've been, you've been ensnared. You, you, you've gotten into something. Do you know that feeling? You think, how did I get here? Why did I just say that? Huh? Do you know what I mean? Okay, so if any of you get caught up in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him with a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Maybe there'll be a situation at some stage in your life where you see someone doing something and, and they're not living the way that God would want them to live. What does the gospel say in that situation? Or maybe you're the person and you're not living in, in, in a Christ-like manner. What's the gospel saying to you in this situation? Well, the gospel speaks clearly. I love the first word here, Basil 1. Brothers and sisters, what that tells me is that it reminds me that this is an instruction to brothers and sisters. When you put your faith in Jesus, you get joined to a family. You didn't join a meeting. 
you join a family. And, and the, the, the attitude and the atmosphere of this family is love. Love for Jesus and love for one another. Amen? And so the people who are being spoken here have a relationship because they have all put their faith in Jesus. And so together they are joined together in this journey. Brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression, I know the feeling of doing things that I shouldn't have done or not doing the things that I should have done. Do you know that feeling? I know the feeling of being caught up in sin and thinking, how did I get here? Why did I do that? Well, if you see someone else getting caught up in sin, know that you too have experienced that. Know that you're a brother, you're a sister with them. You've got commonality. You've got, you, you can empathize with them. That'll help you get the rest of the process right. Then it says, you who are spiritual, those who are, who are following Jesus in that moment, you should restore that person in a spirit of gentleness. You know what? The gospel speaks that it's not okay for you to just carry on living in sin. If you've been caught up in a sin, you don't just say, oh, well, we all get caught up in sin. Let's just carry on sinning together. You know, it's like the two guys who are in a trio together, and the one guy's battling with pornography, and the other guy's battling with pornography. What? You went online again? Me too. What website are you going to? You know, like, like they're not helping each other, are they? Huh? It's not okay to just keep going in sin. You should be restored. If you've gone off the Jesus journey, you to be called back onto the Jesus journey. We don't just turn a blind eye and say, yeah, no, that's a bit awkward. We're just not going to look at it. No. If you are stuck in sin, the gospel says, be restored. Get back on track. And secondly, those who are helping that person, your job is not to judge them. Your job is not to make them feel bad. Your job is to restore them back to right relationship with God and the fellowship of the saints. That's your job. That's what you must work tirelessly for. The gospel speaks that the aim of any action is restoration. And I love it how it says, with gentleness. We to do this gently because we are to be like Jesus. And it was said of Jesus that a bruised reed, he wouldn't even break. And a, a smoldering wick where the, the, the flames are going out and it's on and it's off and it's on and it's off and it's smoking more than it's firing. Jesus is so gentle and powerful that he, do, he wouldn't even snuff that wick out. And so the attitude and the atmosphere of us talking to one another and journeying with one another should be like that of Jesus, a gentleness. And lastly, if you're not the one who's sinned, but, 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 but you're trying to restore the person who's sinned, you need to be careful. Just tell the person next to you, watch out. Just watch out. Here's a home truth. Anytime someone else sins, you are prone to sin too. Just tell that to the person next to you. Anytime someone sins, you are prone to sin too. This is how. You've seen something that's not cool in their lives, and yes, you should restore them, get them back on track. But you've also got the hope that they can be restored because of the gospel. Hallelujah, our sins can be forgiven. We can confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. 
but this is where you need to be careful. If you're the one trying to help the other person, be careful. Be, keep watch of yourself, lest you be tempted. How would you be tempted? Lest you be tempted, I always think, to be self-righteous. And to think, I know you've never thought this, but sometimes pastors think this, hey Rob. I can't believe they did that. It's like when Luke, sorry, Luke always gets called on in this church. Luke was, my, uh, Luke was a little boy and, and he was probably 10 or 12 years old and he had a bowl full of milk and rice krispies. The best breakfast to drop on a tile floor just before school. And Luke, I don't know what he did, but he dropped this bowl and milk and rice krispies just went everywhere. And as he did it, I started saying, I can't believe, and again, I felt the Holy Spirit go, whoo doo and even as I was saying it, I felt the Holy Spirit say, oh, you've never dropped something? Is the Holy Spirit sarcastic like that with you? <laughs> Sarcasm really gets to me, and so the Holy Spirit's sarcastic with me, and literally, I felt the Holy Spirit say, oh, you've never dropped anything? And in an instant, I realized, oh, don't worry, Luke. You need to be careful when someone else sins lest you end up sinning, being self-righteous, pious, judgmental, lacking grace. Well, they really need to know that they've done badly. Friends, why did I spend a bit of time on this? It's just another example from Galatians where the gospel speaks to all of life, which is what the big idea has been in this message. Right at the end of the book of Galatians, Paul says this, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to boast in something, this is what you boast in. The cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me. I've been crucified. I died to that old life. The world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Brothers and sisters, we boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so I felt in my heart that there was one thing that, that this message needed to be about. And it's that the gospel speaks into the everyday rough and tumble of your life and my life. And that if we just ask these two questions, what does the gospel speak? How does the gospel speak into this situation? And therefore, what should I do? The gospel will shape and it will direct and it will guide your life. It's not just who Jesus is and what he did. That's the gospel. But it's the implications of the gospel, which is what we see Paul doing in Galatians. Uh, the gospel is not if your brother causes you to sin. But if your brother causes you to sin, what's the implication of the gospel in that situation? And it will direct and guide your life. And so I want to encourage you to let the better word of the gospel speak in your life and in my life. Amen. And so let's, uh, let's close our eyes. Actually, let's break bread later. Let's break bread later. We're going to break bread after baptism. Let's just pray, and then we're going to have the joy of baptizing some people. May I never lose the wonder. May I never lose the wonder. 
of what you did for me, Jesus. May I never lose the wonder of what you did for me, Jesus. Jesus, I pray that we would never get familiar with the gospel. We would never, we'd never let it be said in our heads. Yeah, I know that. May we never lose the wonder of who you are, Jesus, and what you've done for us. And Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters as we bring Galatians to a close. I pray that we would be those who let the gospel speak in any and every situation of our life. Lord, whether we're needing to have faith because we can't see, or there's worrying circumstances. Lord, whether it's someone we need to forgive. Lord, whether it's direction, whether it's we, we, we've slipped into relying on our own strength and we haven't been dependent on you, Holy Spirit. Lord, whatever it is, I pray, we would let the gospel speak. Why don't you just speak to the Lord yourself just briefly? Just tell him what you want to do. Tell him that you want to let the gospel speak. Ask the Holy Spirit's help. I pray, Lord God, that you would remind us again and again and again that Holy Spirit, you'd speak to us, you'd lead us, you'd guide us, you'd empower us, you'd help us to keep our ears open so that we can keep in step with you. I commit every single person here in the room today, Lord, and I pray, Lord, help us to let the gospel keep speaking into our lives and for you, Holy Spirit, to keep leading us and guiding us. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. We pray, Lord, that because of that, our lives would glorify you, they would please you, and they would bless others. We ask that in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.